Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud. And today we're going to be talking about the new moon in Scorpio 2. Uh, I'm joined here today by my good friend, C.V. Henriette. How are you doing today, C.V.? Good. How are you? I hope I am not choppy. I'm hanging in there. Yeah, we're experiencing a few technical (laughs) (laughs) streaming difficulties at the beginning, but hopefully we've got it all worked out. So let us know in the chat if we're coming through or if we're bit like this today <laughs> just <laughs> just giving cb a heart attack <laughs> sorry sorry this is just a little scorpionic humor for the day um let us know in the chat box where you're all stopping in from i see we've got lisa uh, already saying hi we've got um, Mr. Hindsight from San Francisco stopping by. D- Dimphy's here from the Netherlands. Uh, thank you, Lisa, for the super chat. If you want to support the work that we do here, you can hit that little dollar sign button in the chat, which uh, you can do a super chat or a super sticker, or you can ask a question that'll be highlighted, or if you just want to make a donation, that's a great way to support the work that we do here. Um, so, We're going to be talking about this new moon in Scorpio 2 that happens on the 4th of November. But first, CV, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and and some of the things that you have going on and your astrological proclivities. Yeah, so I am um, a writer and astrologer based mostly out of Detroit, reporting from New Jersey today. And yeah, I'm a consulting astrologer and I do a monthly um, sun sign column, well, actually rising signs, horoscopes for um, supernatural Andre. So I write every month Nice for public consumption. And you're also yeah. a graduate of uh, the, the Nightlight Astrology Program as well, right? Mm-hmm. This is where we met. Yeah. She's another alumni. Um, really get some great... Uh, made some great friends through that program and was able to meet a lot of people that were passionate about astrology. So I, it's great to be able to to continue the conversation here on the live streams. Um, all right. So you, where where can we find you right away here? Where's where's all your yeah, stuff? Yeah, I'm at. Yeah, sure. I'm under Art of the Zodiac. So um, CV Henriette, um, my more personal stuff. And then, yeah, Art of the Zodiac on Instagram, Art of the Zodiac on Facebook. Send me an email if you want. CV at rthezodiac.co. Nice. Dot co, not, not dot com. So, so make co, sure that you com. leave the yeah. M off the end there. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and just to, to, to wrap up sort of our, uh, you know, initial thoughts here. Um, if, you're, if you're new to this channel, make sure that you hit that subscribe button and, and the like button can really help us to get the algorithm out to more and more people. Um, I do have a webinar that's coming up, the the Decans of Scorpio, on the 13th of November. Uh, that's going to be a Saturday around 1 o'clock p.m. So we're going to talk some Scorpio archetypes today, but if you want a real deep dive into all three Decans of Scorpio, the myths associated with it, some of the planetary associations, tarot, uh, that's a great place to start, and you can find a link to that in the video description below. Um, and I, we have a deal going until uh, the 1st of November where you can get 20% off. So check that out. All right. So should we dive in, CV? Any, any initial thoughts before we uh, get into the nitty gritty here? I mean, 
I always have lots of thoughts, so we should probably dive in before we, you know, my ADHD takes over. Sure. <laughs> okay. So I'll share my screen here and we will, um, we will take a look at the chart of the, the new moon in Scorpio 2. Um, we are taking a look at November the 4th, which is a Thursday at 5.14 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I was looking at when the, the time shifts. It's actually not till the 7th of November this year. So that's one thing that trips astrologers up every once in a while is the standard time versus daylight time. But we're not going to be falling back until the 7th. So um, you have an, a few more weeks of sleep, I guess, or whatever it is before our circadian rhythms get screwed up. Um, and we are seeing a new moon at 12 degrees of Scorpio. And I'll run down a few details first here, and then we'll, we'll kind of pick them apart. Okay. Um, so 12 degrees Scorpio is on a fixed star called Alfeca. Um, which is the crown of Ariadne. We'll dive into those myths in a minute. But the, the sun is in its uh, own face. This is the, the, the Deccan that has the sun as a ruler, so we can kind of uh, get some significations with that. The moon, though, is in its fall or its depression. So it's a, it's a sun that has some dignity, but the, a moon that's not in a place that is it's super happy. Um, and I think part of that is because of the... Uh, you know, generally the moon is about bringing bringing things into life and manifesting form. And Scorpio has a lot of decomposition uh, themes associated with it. It's the place where the the veil between life and death is the thinnest. Um, we're gonna we have a, a host Mars that is hosting this new moon, uh, which is by this time will have moved into Scorpio and will be very powerful. So a very powerful Mars. Um, we've got an opposition with this new moon that is exactly opposite Uranus. And all of these Scorpio things are going to be making uh, subsequent squares to Saturn. And and I think we'll get to some squares with Jupiter, but the, the Saturn squares are going to be really part of the, the conversation of at least the week or two moving forward from this position. Um, Tarot card is the Six of Cups. We'll break that down. And Austin Coppock calls this deck in Mutual Distillation, which is sort of about circuits of exchange. Oh. Um, all right. What do you think, CV? What do we got? What big picture thoughts? We got some details here. What are some things that are they're coming up for you with this new moon and its essence? Well, sort of these are just sort of general Scorpio thoughts that... Um, I've been having a lot lately. Um, I've been spending a lot of, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm in New Jersey. There's some great hiking here. I've been spending some time outdoors. And now every time I keep thinking of Scorpio season is the season of like, you said decomposition or recycling. And I, I, I think about how there's the heaviness in Libra of like figuring out your fate to some extent, right? Like the tip into darkness, but then in Scorpio, it's like, we really like embrace. And I almost think of Scorpio season as like a time of mourning and mm. coming back to the leaves every time I keep seeing, right? Like leaves on it's right. It's beautiful when they're on the trees and they're changing color, but this is the time of year when leaves are starting to like rot and seep back into the ground. And just thinking about Scorpio season in those terms of like, I don't know. It's an initiation, right? This new moon, but it's 
I think of like the question I keep asking myself is like, what am I recycling? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, because, you know, when we think of life as cyclical, um, mm -hmm. you know, we have cycles of growth, we have cycles of birth, um, but we also have to return form back mm -hmm. to the earth, right? And then think that this is something that as a, as a culture, especially in the West, I think that we don't um, acknowledge quite enough or embrace enough. I think that, you know, sort of, and maybe we can blame capitalism, maybe we can blame, I don't know, colonialism, I don't know, whatever, whatever like thing we want to blame uh, for not having the ability to, to go within, to take a time out and say that, you know what, there needs to be a time to create uh, space for, for death, for decomposition, for tearing down old structures rather than continually building them up. And I'm hesitating to add the, the second part of that, which is for future fertility, which is true. But if we skip over too quickly over the actual decay phase, then we're, we're, we're committing another, I guess, cardinal sin of not being in the moment. And in, in, in this moment, it is really about, um, you know, release. You know, not to sort of take it too far out, but walking around yesterday, it's like there's that certain sort of chill, at least this part of the world that you get in the air when fall comes. And right, like I think that our be like capitalism clock is always go, go, go. But there's this feeling of like, this is a time of, of stopping a feel like, so there's like a chill in the air that sort of feels like a certain sort of death. Like, um, and I was thinking to myself and again, to go out there getting older, right. Like thinking about too, right. Like at what point in our own lives do we sort of, are we in the pro like Scorpio feels to me in this larger sort of macrocosm of life, <laughs> like entering into middle age, like mm -hmm. understanding that there is this now sort of focus on the decomposition that it's not always just like, the fertility might be a next life at this point. Sure, sure. Yeah, I feel that. I think that on some level, you know, we're both kind of in our, I don't, I don't know, do you give your age away? <laughs> like, late 30s. Yeah, you're late 30s. I just turned 40 a few years ago. <laughs> no, like, I'm 41. But, uh, you know, it, we're, we are seeing, um, I, the, the thing that comes to my mind, I don't know if all of have you have seen the, into the Spider-Verse. Did you see that movie? No, but I'm looking oh, at it. Oh my God, it's so good. Uh, it was that animated Spider-Man uh, movie with all the different multiverse Spider-Man. And okay. in one in one of the multiverses, there is a, a Peter B. Parker who is like middle-aged. <laughs> like he's starting wow. to get a, a dad bod. And he's just like, he's right over the, the, the hump where he's starting the, the descent, you know? And I, I, I'm starting to see some of those things creep up in my own experience of like becoming aware that this body, that these forms are not eternal. Um, that doesn't mean that our essence can't be thought of as eternal in spirit. And that's another whole nother theme to unpack. But but coming to the, the realization of um, the, the uh, temporal nature of this material reality that we're in. Um, and that's, that's heavy. That can be very, uh, 
sobering on some level. Uh, and, I, and I guess one of the things I wanted to say too is I, I love teaching on this channel. And one of the things that I found um, about Mars in particular is those two Mars ruled signs, Aries, and you're an Aries sun, so you can kind of speak to this. Uh, you know, those two Aries, or, sorry, those two Mars ruled signs, they really are about severing and separating, but for different purposes. Yeah. You know, in Aries, it's, it's severing from the mother collective to say, I am not this, I am this. I infuse into a solar consciousness with like an, um, you know, with the exaltation of the sun being in Aries, it's kind of a combo. But when we, when we look at Scorpio, it is pure Mars. It's pure, like we are separating from consciousness from the body now to return spirit to that collective. And that, that realization to me has really completely turned on my head the understanding of those two signs in particular. Um, what do you think, how, how do you utilize Mars? You have a strong Mars in your chart too. Speak, speak a little bit about Mars energy for me here. Well, it's interesting because I think about that um, a lot. And I think you put it really succinctly. Like I know as someone who has sun in Aries, Mars in Aries on the midheaven, like I'm very aware of the energy of cutting hmm. and um, being right. Like the dark side of being selfish is something that I have to like think about and <laughs> a lot because there's this like forge ahead, like at any means necessary. Like I want to do something like we're going right. It's, it's very yeah. like that cutting, right? Like cutting, you draw blood. And then like, but I'm always sort of amazed because Mars in Scorpio is such a different energy. Right. And it almost yeah. talking about like decomposition, it's like, now we're like dividing and severing to return to something. There's that, like, it's now like, whereas Mars and Aries is that very, um, like diurnal, like forward motion into the day, starting something. This is the process, initiating the process of, of descent, of going into the underworld, of figuring out like what, how you separate things for that decomposition, right? Cause there's still yeah. a severing process in that. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot, but you really put it succinctly. Yeah. You know, Mars being, um, it's, it, it wants something, right? It's always like trying to create movement, speed, like uh, heat on, on some level too. So it, I like the the thought that the ground heats up in both seasons of spring and fall. You know, it, it heats up for the, the process of fecundity and growth in the spring. Mm -hmm. And those same microbes or, or maybe slightly different ones sort of heat up in the in the fall to be able to break down they create heat through the breaking down process um i did actually i did a deep dive on the death process the de the decomposition like scientific process recently as i was doing some more research for scorpio and it's really actually quite fascinating like I, i've said before that as a taurus moon cancer sun death isn't something that i've been super excited about or, or like comfortable with. Um, yeah, I've always tried to kind of avoid it because I, I, I think that a lot of my energy is, is given towards facilitating healthy growth and nurturing. 
Um, but this is so different. It was really interesting to see they had a, a, a dead animal that they were had an experiment where they were seeing what type of bacteria would start breaking it down, what type of insects and things like that. And I thought it was super fascinating that the, the bacteria in the stomach starts to escape the stomach lining. I'm going to stop my share here because I want to show you these cards for Scorpio. You know, so we have Scorpio one with the five of cups, the morning card, but this, this one's called hunger. And th that reminded me of the microbes that are escaping the, the stomach lining that are then starting to consume like a jawbone, which Austin Coppock calls this deck in the rest of the body, which is, it's, that's fascinating to me. And then as we get to the, the Scorpio two deck and where this new moon is at, there is themes of an achemical transformation. It's a solar decan. We have a, a Mars decan, a solar decan, and yeah. a Venus decan. And T. Susan Chang really put this really interestingly about that Mars, Sun, Venus process that we also see in Aries. It, that those are actually the same decanic order for the rulers of Aries. So separation, yeah. achemical transformation, and then attraction. Okay, so I feel like Scorpio 2 is that achemical transformation where the bacteria has spread and it's now like releasing these gases and then there's this union of like flies and worms that are starting to like consume everything and it's creating this this bloat and and eventually in Scorpio 3 you've got like a a desiccated shell that's just blackened and there's hair and like bones and that's what's left it's just a, a ghost of, of a former being and there's a lot of themes of chasing old forms that aren't you know even valid anymore in that in that decade so i just thought that that was really interesting that mars sun venus order that we're going through in scorpio and sort of the the alchemy process that we can see with this um because i do think we're we're heading towards there is hope in this. I, I don't want it to be super like negative throughout the whole process because every process can be beautiful. And, and the, the next process we get to is Sagittarius afterwards where there is enthusiasm. It says, my spirit has been released from this body. I need to find a new chariot. You know, I need to find a new vehicle, right? You know what I'm saying? I love that. And, and not, yeah. And I don't think this is depressing to sort of going back to this whole thing. I, I know we talked about age and sort of were like, Oh, we're mm. decomposing, but yeah. I think the beauty of thinking about the season, like thinking about the zodiacal seasons, right. On top of the seasons of one's one's life is it gives us time to prepare. Right. So if we right. use Scorpio season understanding, we're not going to be around forever. Right. This is a really good time to start having a healthy relationship to death, to think about what this feels like to go on this mini journey of sun, Mars, Venus, right? Like this is something we can experience with intention so that the aging process itself becomes easier. I love that. I love that. Cause you know, there's many spiritual traditions, you know, like you're saying that when you have an awareness of your death, you know, that's really helping you stay in the moment and, and appreciate what you're going through and what you're experiencing. I mean, sometimes when you know that something is limited, that you're just like, okay, I, I'm not going to live forever. You know, let's really be present, you know, and, and 
appreciate this day. Um, I want to get your thoughts because you you do you do tarot, and I was I was really liking T. Susan Chang's take on this card. This is the Six of Cups. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about your thoughts about this card in particular, and then I'll, I'll maybe I'll add some little details from T. Susan Chang that I thought were really really nice. Well, it's funny. So I'm not like a tarot expert at all, but this one too. I'm whenever whenever I think of tarot, it's generally within the the context of what's around it to some extent, right? But I don't know. I think of this this card to me. Yeah, feels like the um, almost like a looking ahead in a sense, right? Like this understanding, right? Of like why are like what is the end result? I think of just immediately the end result of the decomposition, right? Where it's the understanding that we need to go through this process of decay to regenerate, right? To me, this is like the whole experience in a card. Yeah, like like the passing on of of wisdom or something to the next. Exactly, generation. like the passing of the baton, right? right? Like this, it's just saying that, like, yes, why are we doing this? We are recycling matter now so that it can make way for something new. Hmm. And and perhaps that's a simplistic read. I'd love to know. Um, so I throw my cards around. Um, no, I, I, I think you're. Out. I think you're you're hitting hitting the 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 point. Um, pretty well. Like I think the, I think of it in a couple ways because one theory that I've kind of formulated is uh, connecting these tarot decans with the Thema Mundi and the the the, the Thema Mundi place for Scorpio is the fifth house, yeah. which is all about pursuit of pleasure and desire, but also children and legacies because it is the the house that it, that succeeds the fourth angle. It's called the succeedant house. And that means that it, it it is what comes after the fourth house experience. So think about fourth house. They did think about fourth house as death, as an entrance into the underworld for the judgment of a life well lived. Um, and then we we see what is the the past. Who's going to mourn us after we're dead? <laughs> like you know. And then we're going to pass on these memories. I think that memory is an, a nice word for this. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, the, the nostalgia is another th- way we can think about this. T. Susan Chang made a really great point about this being a solar decan and the kind of the concept of the golden hour, right? Where it's the setting sun, where everything takes on this beautiful glow, right? Where things are in the process of being turned from awareness into memory and into past. So like this, she, she may had this really neat image about like if this card which should be like sepia toned and like cracked because this image is not necessarily an image that is in present. It is maybe looking back on the moment of giving flowers or something like that. And she also made a point of talking about putting flowers on a grave site type of thing, like sort of mm. a coming together for remembrance of something in the past, um, right? So I, I think yeah. that a couple of little like um, word plays here. Nostalgia has a couple root words, notos, which means to return, and algos, which means pain. 
So this tr translates to the pain of return. So it's <laughs> really funny, but we usually think of nostalgia as something like nice, but it is yeah. tinged with a little bit of like oh, heartache, right? For the things that have gone by, you know? I thought that was a neat kind of take on this whole thing. Um, we're also heading into a period of time. Uh, November 1st was associated with a cross holiday called Samhain which is you know sort of a you know when the veil is thin between life and death uh, there is a lot of ancestor worship that happens around this period of time where we're trying to make sure that we remember the the people in our family in the past um, but also kind of feed the hungry spirits so that they don't create uh, havoc in our life on some level and that's part of the some of the halloween mythology as well um and I, I talked to, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, sorry. I just wanted to, that was a funny interjection to going on the, thinking about this memory, right? And so looking at um, the six of cups and of course my forward thinking Mars and Aries is like, hope, future, let's go, right? But it's so like Scorpio, right? To be like memory, like a stepping back because it is part of, right? It's It's all sort of part of the same sort of time circle, but like you making space for that is, um, um, yeah, I think that's a really sort of important distinction to think about that, right? Like what is it when we're always sort of going forward, but then there is a sort of pain in having to look back sometimes. I think about that, right? Like when did you get older, you sit with your memories, the good ones, perhaps there's a longing for and an understanding you can't return, right? Like that feels very Saturn to me right now, right? Like you can't, like I can't return to that form, say as it's me as a child or something like this, but just, um, or, regrets or all of these things that sort of come out of that. But I, I don't know, I thought that was a really important distinction to make. Yeah, it's, it is painful sometimes to, to look back and to be able to contextualize things, you know, in the narrative of our life. And, but, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really starting to respect these malefic planets and the roles that they play in our life. Um, if we were just to hang on to old form there'd be no room for you know the new there'd be no room for becoming the new version of ourselves too right and there's other themes like that come up in austin Kopic's book about desire with scorpio you know mars is saying i'm like you were saying i'm gonna go for it i'm just gonna do it i want this right and i think it's it is similar i think aries is more like i want to be me you know, like I want to yeah. be, I want this now and I want to be myself and screw you. If you're going to get in my way, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> like, but Scorpio, right? Think, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, just to add to that, think of it too, right? Like it, Aries is like the spark of life. It's first. Mm -hmm. So it's all potential, right? There's right. this like optimism in a sense. Cause it's like, I can do whatever. This is the beginning. And when you have that backwards of Scorpio, suddenly you you're faced with history to work with, which is a much different feeling. Yeah, I wonder if it's a desire for the past, if you think about it in those those two yeah. paradoxical ways. I'm almost thinking that all the water signs really have a sort of a sense of longing. I like that word that you were using, mm -hmm. longing. I mean, cancer, as a cancer sign myself, I, I understand this longing for union, um, for, for growth, for the the ouroboric mother that like liz green would say where you want to return to spirit 
Scorpio is returning or trying to, is longing for some kind of deep emotional union. And I, I see that union as the coming together of forces, but for the purpose of release, which is interesting and something I hadn't really made the connection with in the past. And then Pisces sort of has this longing for, I don't know, just the matrix, like the, like the net of spirituality, like of a, you know, a, I don't know, union with universal substance or universal consciousness on some level, like through our imaginations and through yeah. things like that. Can you, can you see that connection? Does that sort of work? You think? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally a DD and we were talking about this. Sorry. Is it on yeah, no sequitur? I was just thinking of how I'm going to go home now and reread the waste. I think it's the wasteland that starts with April is the cruelest month. Mm. And I'm like, oh, Aries, the cruelty varies. Sorry, and it popped out because there's a line mixing memory and desire. And then I was thinking about how is there a connection with desire and memory sort of intrinsically? Yeah. I'm looking in the chat here. Yeah. Um, so Wasteland is, what, tell me, TSL. Yeah, yeah it starts go. with April's the cruelest month. Um, nice. Nice. We're using the our, our English degrees here again. <laughs> um, so Gail uh, is saying that she just turned 60. Well, congratulations, Gail. You, you've uh, outlived us us all here, except for Miss, Mr. Hindsight is 82. Wow, we got some, some, uh, some elders here that are bringing us all sorts of wisdom and giving us maybe a different perspective from our even from our middle age one, which is very cool. I'm very happy to see yeah. multi-generations here. It's it's a really interesting crowd that shows up for these. Like it's very um, diverse, it's international, uh, there is, it's cross-generational. And that's, that's I hope that's the kind of uh, welcoming environment that I'm, I'm creating here. So really appreciate all you being here. Um, Lisa's talking about memory by Barbara Streisand, right? Yeah, you know, like cats. <laughs> uh, anything, anything with cats. Cats. I'll... T. S. Eliot wrote the book. Sorry, I got excited. We brought it all together. T. S. Eliot wrote cats. It's all coming full circle. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mr. Hindsight is asking if any of us can say something about the new moon being via combust. Yeah, you know, that wasn't something that, that came up in my mind, but that's a good point. Um, via combust is uh, a part of the zodiac, I believe between 15 degrees of Libra and 15 degrees of Scorpio, that is called the burned road or the burnt road, where not much comes of that place. Um, and I think that, I guess my thought on on that, this new moon being there is, it is opposite Uranus if we're bringing in a more modern context. So there's some shocks uh, of awareness and we'll, we'll get into that part of this. Um, the, the first thought I had about the Via Combust though is that we have a Venus retrograde that's gonna be coming up pretty soon. And I feel like uh, something that may be given at this new moon may be up for review uh, in a few months. So I, I think that, it, yeah, and I'll get into this when we talk about the this chart. I want to, let's go back to the chart again, because I want to show you what I'm talking about here. And can everybody hear me okay? Because I'm, I'm, my my connection is a little weird. I'm hoping I'm not popping in You're and out. You're getting a little here. choppy. Am I choppy too? Yeah. Okay. Um, that, that's a bummer. So hopefully if, if, 
if I get too choppy uh, in the chat, just tell me and I'll repeat something if you if you miss something. So apologize for that. Uh, so we are looking at this area right here, this new moon, and that via combust area that Mr. Hindsight was talking about is sort of right here, right? Kind of the middle of Libra to the middle of Scorpio. And I, I think that the there's actually that's a great great point because you're 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 giving us a an, an, uh, a doorway into a couple of the other themes with this um, with this this moon here. Uh, so we've got uh, the second decan of Scorpio right on the fixed star Alfeca, and Alfeca is associated with the story of Ariadne and Theseus. So if we go into the myth here. Ariadne was a uh, was a a, a a princess of a, a I believe Crete, and she helped Theseus, who came from Athens, uh, to kill the the Minotaur in the maze that was made by Daedalus. And Ariadne fell in love with Theseus like right away, and was like, "I'm going to help you get out of this unsolvable maze by giving you string." So you can find your way back out and so she helped him out so you can see there's one theme of like uh, a, a, a helper like coming together for a sort of purpose but then eventually she left with theseus and then he was like for some reason that's sort of a mystery left her on this island maybe because he had a, a dream there, there's some theories that he had a dream of dionysus telling him like this is going to be my lady or or, or he, he had other interests somewhere else um, but but the theme of like being given this gift of power and then having being abandoned. So I, I think that there, this could be part of this too, where we're giving some kind of raise in social status or a gift, but it may be what it, like a crown of thorns where there's a catch and there's maybe something given that's taken back. Um, and also, but but eventually there's a positive outcome because Dionysus finds Ariadne on this island and is able to uh, it marries her and so instead of just marrying a, a hero she's marrying a god so it's maybe it's like maybe you have the the the, the so-so thing you are given right is yeah. taken away but maybe the the ultimate thing is is given later so i think that's one thing that we could see with this um what else what do you think when you said that story, and I know I'm connecting another myth, but I think it's interesting. I, I thought of the story of uh, Medea. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And I was like, man, of like, because like Jason kind of did the same thing, except for she like had magic and like helped him. And then he was like, never mind, I'm going to go marry the princess, like have fun. And thinking about this idea of regeneration, that then she kills her children mm -hmm. in this, to prevent them to having this bad like life and then just that final exit of her on this sort of chariot of dragons yeah so i, I was I mean, it's not sort of the same but it i was just thinking about sort of those themes and next to each other and thinking about that as sort of a scorpionic tale as well yeah totally i mean there's it's it's funny how there's multiple myths that can kind of uh express some similar universal human themes mm -hmm. you know um, but I love what you said, tying it back though, not to be too far out there. I love this idea of thinking about the sort of, right, like 
<clears throat> the sort of small loss we have to endure in a sense to get to the larger thing we want. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that sometimes like the site, like feel like that's sort of how the planets work. I sometimes feel like that all the time, right? Like something's like, I think this is why astrology is so beautiful because when something happens, we can't always make sense of it, but then seeing a certain transit, we can just understand there's a process that maybe we're not sort of, we don't understand the motives. And so just even being armed with that knowledge through these, this next period could be very empowering when we go through the small loss and wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to frame it. You know, having to, to give something up, you know, Scorpio on season, like, you know, Mars requires some bloodletting, right? <laughs> like always it's associated with Mars, with blood and with, you know, sacrifice on some level as well. So, yeah, yeah I think that you're, you're totally spot on with that. Like that if we are willing to, to go through the you know, that, that makes me think of something where in a lot of myth to receive the ultimate reward, you had to give a portion to the gods, you know, like, and if you didn't, that was super insulting to the gods and you would be in trouble. So I think that we have to, if we are gifted anything, we have to give over some portion to the divine and like as a sacrifice to, to be able to, to, I don't know, move, move forward with, with whatever we're going to be doing next. Um, I see that my connection is choppy, but CV's is, and I, I apologize if I'm cutting in and out here. I'm not sure what's going on with the internet today, but so it goes. Um, a couple other things to think about with that. I mean, let's look at this. The, the, the real big story, I think, with this is this opposition with Uranus. Um, you know, this is a it's it's exact i mean it's like like within like seven minutes which is super super close uh I, i'll have to let you know how this turns out because this is exactly on my mc ic axis like i've got mm -hmm. the new moon on my on my ic in the fourth and the uranus in the mc in the in the tenth and uh i i just think that whatever comes to us is going to shake up our routines and our rhythms um, you know, in my family, there's my my partner is is in the process of um, coming to terms with a new a new job that was kind of kind of came across uh, unexpectedly. Uh, there was a, a she thought she had more time for this job, and and then the person that uh, was leaving like unexpectedly just like oh, sorry, I'm leaving in two weeks instead of two and a half months. <laughs> and so it's like, so it's kind of things like that where just something shocking um, that could potentially increase your status but comes with a price and comes with some stress potentially. Uh, and then, but again, there's going to be some reviewing that happens as Venus is going retrograde at the end of December. Um, so I guess I, what I would say is take your time with whatever comes up now recognize that whatever this new process is going to be this new achemical transformative process it's going to shake up your your sense of security and stability your daily habits because that's the decan that uranus is in is the the second decan of taurus which is shaking up your your resources and your your rhythms it's all about consistent rhythms and uranus there is saying you better shake those up because they've gotten stale you know so 
uh, I think that's could be you know part of what we're experiencing here as well. Any thoughts about the additional thoughts about the Uranus opposition within this new moon CV? Um, no, I was just, I was really feeling how, um, how you put that of like having our routines being shaken up and like, like, I know that that's, um, like this for me, Uranus is in my, um, 10th house. Mm -hmm. And so, right. Like I, and I in a relationship and like dealing with someone else. And I feel like the same thing where like my whole yeah, my, my sort of life axis right now, as you are right happening in these big through lines is being shaken up. And it's really easy to want to just fight it. Right. Mm -hmm. To like throw our arms up and be like, ah, but I think that knowing Uranus is there is a good like reminder of like, okay, like this is being shaken up for a reason. Right. And I think Uranus, sometimes we think of just like Uranus as being a bomb that goes off in a chart and we're all supposed to like duck and hide and hope that we don't have to do anything. But this idea of like really questioning of like, okay, like how have my routines gotten stale? How like, is this new thing in my life asking me to like change to pivot to this new direction? Right. Cause understanding Mm -hmm. that change is actually not that exciting. It's kind of painful and messy and hurts a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the other thing that's coming up with all this is uh, viewing yourself in a different way, you know, like, like when you have, when you're faced with these changes, sometimes we get stuck in these old narratives about who and what we are in our relationships. I mean, I think it's really funny that a lot of it's for for the two of us is coming through partnership, you know, Uh, because I think, I do think Scorpio does have some significations with, score with partnership especially the second decan where like i said austin Kopic like talks about circuits of exchange like where we're coming together to distill an essence we're exchanging emotional energy to be able to or and resources to be able to distill something into its purest form but he also talks about we can exchange poisons and we and it's not always a, a healthy exchange um, one one thing I wrote down and thought was like, you know, like sort of like energy vampires where we, we get these like, you know, we get in these relationships that sometimes are draining to us as well. And I think yeah. that um, oh, we got to be careful of that with this new moon, that, that whatever new types of uh, intimate exchanges that we get involved in aren't draining us of our vital essence and our life force. And that's that's my one big caution with this new moon, especially with the, you know, as Mr. Hindsight was t- pointing out, like this is the Via Combusta, you know, it's the fallen moon. So it may not feel like we're being given the type of nurturing that we are most comfortable with. It may be one that's like consuming us on some level too, because the moon also can consume as well as grow. Like it goes through those phases yeah. of waxing and waning. So I, I think that when, a way to deal with this on some level is to just be aware of the intimate unions that you are agreeing to and trying to maintain a healthy sense of autonomy within those partnerships without getting into like codependency or into exchanges where someone's influence on you is maybe not the best for you right? It could be, we could be pursuing something that is very different than what we uh, 
than what we're what is healthy. Um, so I, I think that at the same time, if you're being presented with a change, compost that old self, um, I don't know, reflective story that may be limiting to you that is keeping you in that stuck Taurus way, right? I think that- uh, You know what this makes me ahead. think of? Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go. Oh, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. you 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 paused for a moment. Did you finish yeah. your thought? No, I was leaving the pause for you. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, no, you're saying that. And I, I was thinking, like, it just occurred to me that thinking about the Taurus Scorpio axis is almost like um, like mycelium, right? So there's like the fruit, the fruiting body that we see in our physical lives, right? So that's like the, the what we experience, right? Like our day-to-day functioning perhaps, mm-hmm. right? Or the things that like the foods we eat or our experiences within a job and the way that sort of we physically show up in the world. Yeah. But then thinking of Scorpio is that maybe emotional well-being or like that really deep, we could say of connecting to like ancestors too, that really deep root system that you don't always see. Yeah. And that if that's damaged to your point, then like your fruiting body is going to be damaged as well. There is that connection. And so thinking about the connection to, to sort of expand it of like Scorpio season being a time to really understand that like here we, we could be somebody who has maybe in, you know, our day-to-day functions, we look like we have it together, right? Like Mm -hmm. all these things seem together, even though we're being kind of shaken up or trying to deal. But if we're in a toxic relationship or we have, you know, ancestral trauma that's eating us alive, then it's going to start to show up. And so this is maybe the time to really focus on that work that you can't always see. Yeah. Mushrooms are the, like the most quintessential Scorpio symbol, I think, because <laughs> they're like, they're like little martial penises just erupting out of, the, <laughs> out of the ground. Right. And, but, but their, their role is to break down and de- decompose the old forms and, and mm-hmm. create the substrate that later in Taurus season will be the fertile soil. So, yeah. uh, you know, they, they can't live without one another, Taurus and Scorpio. And mm-hmm. just like any of these opposites, they're part of this, this whole, right? This, this yin yang kind of, you know, a little bit of light in the dark, you know, and they're constantly in this achemical exchange. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I really like this breakdown of Scorpio that we're going to here with these this this deep dive. I, I actually I love hunting for mushrooms. That's something that I uh, it's a hobby of mine, like going out and foraging. And my oh. partner and I recently found this giant what's called hen of the woods uh, yeah. or maitake mushroom. It, mm-hmm. It's it was about seven pounds, but it was like this like like a baby. It looked it was huge. Um, and uh we've been it's been nourishing us for like over a week now because you can make so much stuff with it so it, just a really a poignant symbol for scorpio season and how beautiful that they can be but also mushrooms can be very toxic too so they if you you have to be very careful don't just go out and eat any mushroom that you find in the <laughs> woods um, yeah. some can be nourishing like this hen of the woods others can be deadly poisonous. So similar thing with these exchanges that we're, we're looking at is some are going to be really healthy. Some partnerships are good coming together and exchanging ener- emotional energy. Other ones might be not completely in your best interest. And, um, and most importantly, it's not always easy to distinguish between the two. <laughs> that's 
yes great point because <laughs> there's there's toxic lookalikes so you you, you have to be yeah. really cagey because because you could something could look very delicious but then make you super sick so so something to keep it by there and then there's a third category of mushrooms that that give you these like psychedelic trips and i think that's really the third decan of scorpio where it's it's all yeah. about this like illusion and like fantasy and and these ghosts that appear it really works well i should do a lecture on the mushrooms of scorpio <laughs> that would be, that would yeah. be fun. um so i think uh you know that's sort of my my thoughts on uranus here um a couple other things that i'm seeing in this chart so another thing to consider yes. is that, that yes. am I my uh my check checking out again here? You're checking out. Am I checking out? I no, wonder if good. I should turn my video off for a moment. Yeah, maybe we should turn our videos off for a second. I don't know. Okay. I have to see what we're if that will be helpful. Do you think? I'm gonna I'm gonna stop my video for a minute here, folks. All right. Hopefully that makes me less choppy. Uh, because okay. we're experiencing some some bandwidth issues here today. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I'm noticing in this chart is Mercury recently just went under the sun's beams at this time frame, which is called its morning set. Okay, so this is a uh, a, a morning star mercury that is direct that is speeding up towards a union with the sun and you know another astrologer i really like shu, shu yap uh just really w broke down the venus cycle for me in great depth in one of her webinars and one of the things that i got from that that is similar with mercury is there's this difference between a planet when it's applying to the sun versus separating so there, there's there's some kind of messages that are coming to us and we're getting this union. Um, I, I think of Hermes as like en entering into Olympus when it is direct and going to the direct superior conjunction. So we may be coming into a phase where we're going internal and, and we're, it, you know, we're not really having these visible exchanges, but we're getting this uh, download from the universe that's that's you know, helping to bring us closer to spirit. And I think that that really works well with the Scorpio archetype as well. Um, so, so watch out for messages that come to you. We've got a really poignant um, week after this new moon happens where Mercury and Mars are going to conjoin and then make a, an exact square to Saturn. So the other part of this cycle really has to do not only with the opposition to Uranus, but the Mars uh, Aquarius squares that are going to be happening over the course of this lunar cycle. So that that is huge to me because, you know, Mars is a planet that wants, that desires something. It says, I want this. I'm going to go get it. Uh, I need to take action. And Saturn's sitting there saying, nope, like it's a big brick wall. It's a big like slow down. You know, it's a big like there uh there are forces greater than you that may be putting the brakes on what you're moving towards does that make sense absolutely I'm, i've been thinking about i've been thinking about saturn a lot recently and saturn like and thinking and and saturn 
just this idea of Saturn being reality in the sense that like, I know that there's parts of my life I'm constantly always like trying to like push against in a sense, because perhaps maybe I have my own ideals, but Saturn saying like, no, this is like how it is. And forcing us to work with that, which is actually how creativity is born, right? Like having a constraint and having to be creative and work around it. But then thinking about sort of that energy versus that Mars that's deeply desiring something. So I feel like if anything, these can be really like, these are, this is a huge opportunity for growth, right? Like having to figure out your desires within the framework of what's reality, right? Yeah. But that can be a deeply frustrating process for a lot of people. <laughs> Frustration is a great descriptive word for it because I, I like what you're saying about figuring out what is possible you know because saturn is saying this is what's not possible <laughs> like yeah. so you have to figure out what you're going to pursue within those limitations and that's that's yeah. that's nothing to really be that angry about because just by the very fact of being incarnated into bodies we have to come to terms with limitations um, yep. and, and I think with this Saturn in particular, you know, I, I, I love the way Joy Usher talks about this Saturn in Aquarius as being the, the, the glass ceiling. You know, it's, <laughs> it's about the limitations of our ideas, maybe of ourselves, of society. Um, and it's not just the physical limitations here, it's mental. Um, so I think that what we might be running up against on this, this week ahead is, sort of these these mental blocks that we have towards moving forward um but also on a societal scale as well the the idealism of what kind of um boundaries and laws are we going to respect as a community to keep the structure of of society functional does that make sense absolutely i keep thinking of um when you say that, right, like thinking about how these constraints, although frustrating in the moment, are ultimately helpful because they're, right, like they're what gives form to whatever it is we want to do, right, as opposed to Jupiter just sort of constantly expanding. And I keep thinking about um, the scene from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Is it Veruca Salt who explodes? <laughs> I can't remember. Which one. It was, oh, it was the, is she the blueberry one? <laughs> oh, she's the blueberry one. It's the girl with the golden hen. Is which is the one that just sort of like it's sort of this Jupiterian like? Oh, uh, Augustus <laughs> Gloomed. <laughs> like, is that okay, the okay. the one who's just like keeps eating and like expanding? Yeah, that's that's sort of what I think of the opposite. Like to me, that's like if we didn't have Saturn, right? Like that's yeah. what Saturn's preventing us, preventing from happening. Well, and she, she's very scorpionic or she's very martial. She's like, I want this, give it to me. And she's really like yeah. off, off putting, you know? Um, and then, you know, I don't, I really love the original version of that with Gene Wilder, just like uh -huh. smirking at all these children. <laughs> it's, it's very devious, but, but uh, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, so so we may be coming face to face with the great uh, castrator, as we could call him, um, yeah. and by trying to bring something into form, we're castrating those future possibilities. That's something that I've been learning from Liz Green, which is such a brilliant way of of looking at Saturn. Um, and and you know, there's an animal that that uh, an animal spirit, I guess, that I drew to to give an essence with this this aspect in particular, I think. And it was mm. the it was the hawk, and and that that okay. seems to be such a perfect representation of Mars and 
you know, Saturn in an air sign here, you know, Mars and Scorpio, Saturn in an air sign, because a hawk is very uh, Mars-like with its talons and its beak, and it, it can shoot and like grab something. But it, but it, you know, a hawk is associated with visionary qualities. It, it can see for miles. It's a daytime bird. It is, it, it gets that Saturnian, Aquarian, 30,000 foot viewpoint. Um, so I think the combination of those two is definitely hawk-like. We, like we need to know where we're going before we can can put it into action and like, you know, speed towards it like a bullet train. You know what I'm saying? No, I really love that analogy. And I was thinking about, um, as you were saying that, I was thinking how in some sense we had this whole talk about Mars being sort of concerned with the future, right? Like what comes next? What am I creating? Or thinking about this long for the past in a sense of de decomposition of bringing up things like memory and that Saturn is really concerned with a present reality in a sense. I mean, it is yes. old age, but this idea of like, it's, it's the one it's, it's based in a certain reality that Mars is not. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. I love that. Cause you know, another thing that Liz Green uses with her um, myth about Saturn is, yeah. you know, we've got the castration of future possibilities by bringing something into form, but also yeah. we have the swallowing of the children where, you know, what he's doing is he's trying to preserve the the present, right? Or the past yeah. to, to and, and eliminate being usurped by his future, you know, like, <laughs> so it was, I think even Saturn and Aquarius on some level too, I, I just think Aquarius is one of the most misunderstood signs out there um, because I, I do think it is mm, it is still sort of conservative I, I I know that that word is like loaded and stuff but it, any Saturn sign is going to be quote unquote conservative in the most fundamental meaning of the of the word not in a political sense necessarily you know because it's it's structure it says what are we going to concretize into reality you know what are we going to you know that saturn is that skeletal system and when you have saturn in an air sign it's it's all about the skeletal system of our beliefs and our idealism right that keep society together because a lot of society is just agreements that we've made you know it's not just always physical structures it's it's like oh well, we're going to respect this law we're going to respect this interaction right Mm -hmm. I think another word for that maybe is sober. To me, Saturn feels very sobering. It's constantly, yeah. whereas like Jupiter is idealism or Saturn is constantly bringing you down to the like sort of yes or no. Can yeah. we do this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Will it pass the test? Yeah. And, and like this, this new moon, your, your, your ability to move forward is probably going to be tested by whether it's practical or whether it can be manifested uh, within that, you know, Saturnian Aquarius um, idealistic framework. Um, and like you said, just coming, circling back to the frustration energy, uh, there was, you know, this, this aspect was perfecting uh, the Mars-Saturn square, I believe last year too, wasn't it? When Mars was in, um, I believe Mars was in Aries and Saturn was in Capricorn. Uh, where we had kind of a foot on the gas, foot on the brake type of energy. And now it's yeah, in a yeah. fixed sign, right? Um, where we might even be even more stubborn and set in our ways. Like, uh, 
you know, that energy last year was we were trying to initiate things with the cardinal signs, but now it's kind of like how, to, how we, uh, you know, maybe how are we beginning the process of letting go? Yeah, so in- interesting times for sure. All right. So, so that's, it, the, go ahead. Is it hard to hear me? Cause you're breaking up again. I don't know if it's. Uh, bummer. No, you're fine. Um, I'm hearing you totally fine. It's probably completely on my end. So I apologize everyone out there if my, my internet's being super crappy. Um, maybe what I'll do at the end of this is I do have an audio recording uh, that is probably clear. Okay. So I might be able to replace the audio on YouTube later. Um, but if you're listening to this and um, you're missing some things, I also post these on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. So if you want to go back and listen and you miss something important, um, that recording should be clearer. That makes sense. Awesome. Okay. All right. Um, the other thing I'm seeing here is right after the new moon, Venus is heading into Capricorn, the place where we're going to have the retrograde at the end of December. So some of the themes are going to start coming up that we're going to be dealing with with that retrograde. And I, I just recorded a, a long uh, podcast with Melissa LaFara and Shu Yap about the upcoming Venus retrograde that's going to be released on November the 1st on Melissa LaFara's uh, Energetic Principles channel. Excuse me. So check that out if you want a, a deep dive on Venus retrograde. Um, but just pay attention to the themes that come up with the Capricorn area of your life because there may be some reviews that, that come up towards the end of the year. Um, mm-hmm. And then as we go through kind of the process here, uh, Mercury is going to join with Mars and the Sun, um, you know, and eventually can join with Mars and then square Saturn, exactly both of them. Just around this period, November 10th and 11th, um, be careful that your desires don't lead to some kind of defeat because this this decan of Scorpio, Scorpio 1, is really about being hungry, desiring something, you know, feeling grief over what we've lost. Um, and then that first decan of Aquarius is called defeat, where you're cast into exile because of some kind of like humiliation. So the combination of Mercury and Mars, I would say, watch your, be careful with your words, try not to get into like a a, a nasty fight at this period of time, because you're probably going to, you know, lose, (laughs) like if that makes sense. Uh, And, and have to go tuck your tail between your legs and, and, um, go off into the frontier. And, and I don't think anybody really wants that on some level. Um, what else? Then on the 11th, we have the square, the first quarter square. And that is where mm-hmm. uh, it, it really coincides with that Mercury-Mars kind of square Saturn. Um, but this one's in second decan of Aquarius, which is sort of about traveling between worlds. It's a six of swords energy. Um, so, so like our, our, we, we, to me, this one is sort of like attachment versus detaching the challenges of moving on where we're, where we're really having nostalgia from the past, but we do have a, a real need to move on from that past. So just, just be careful around that period of time that you don't get lost in the memory, uh, and keep your eye on like that Hawkeye on the future. 
And that, that's leading up to a full moon eclipse that we're seeing on the 19th with, uh, you know, in Taurus and Scorpio here, right on Algol. And I'll do another live stream on this coming up, um, probably midweek rather than the end of the week, because I don't want to do it right on the eclipse. That would be bad. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, just be careful that not to lose your head with this one. That, that's, I guess that's my main thought with that with Algol, Moon. Patience is required around this period of time. Um, you know, you've planted the seed. Now you have to kind of wait for the, wait for it to, to manifest, you know, any, any initial thoughts on the, the eclipse seasons that we're starting here? Oh, this is the, do we have two more eclipses on the Sagittarius Gemini axis? I was looking up this morning. Yeah, this is the, the, um, yeah, we have the, the the December 4th new moon solar eclipse at 12 degrees of Sag. And then I think that they, the nodes switch after that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a kind of big deal because it's going to, it's an, um, what's another 18 month cycle in a different part of your chart. So right. this eclipse is sort of perhaps wrapping something up. Yeah, for sure. This isn't. This is some kind of ending in the the Scorpio uh, Taurus axis. Um, well, actually, yeah, it's strange because it's it, the the actual Sun and Moon is in Scorpio and Taurus, but the it's the last eclipse with the nodes over Gemini and Sagittarius. So, um, I'd have to meditate on that that aspect of it a little bit more. But I think what we've been trying to do through the uh, the north node in gemini south node in sagittarius is diversify our belief system and take in other people's perspectives rather than just getting fixated on our own on our own beliefs if that makes sense um and i know that's been true for me like there's been a lot of opinions that have been floating around and you know trying to see things from a, a different perspective has been important and we're going to see the north node move into taurus where it's going to be important to like you know, put down some, some roots, some growth, uh, you know, build new structures. There's infrastructure things happening, coming up. I think it's a building, a building phase we're going to be going through on some level, which is exciting as uh, honestly, I'm pretty excited about that nodal shift. I feel like that's a whole webinar for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Could be, could be for sure. All right, so I'm going to stop this share here, and I want to talk a little bit just about the... Let's attempt to put our videos back on, maybe. Yeah, let's try it. Let's see what we got here. There we are. All right. Okay. Sorry about the technical difficulties today, friends. Um, I don't know what's going on with the, the internet here, but uh, it's been kind of stormy lately here, so I don't know if that is affecting um, what's going on in my area, but... The I Ching that I got for this uh, new moon in Scorpio 2 was number 60, which translates to limitation, uh, control, restriction, um, separation and distinction, constraint, self-control, which I think fits really well with the Mars-Saturn square that, that is the, the dominant aspect of this lunation. And it's changing to number 39, which is called obstruction, 
limping, stumbling, adversity, impediments. <laughs> like so, uh, so pretty, pretty funny uh, seeing how that is turning out. There's three changing lines, um, and all of these changing lines really talk about leaving your home and going out into the world, into public. And the first one says, "Not going out of the door into the courtyard, no blame." So the first line that says we would like to push ahead but there's too many obstacles you know the, the square with saturn so exercise restraint and discretion be realistic gather resources bide your time um it, this there was notes that talked about maintaining your silence and self-control uh, line number two says not going out of the courtyard misfortune so that's that's actually almost the opposite uh advice that they gave in the previous line so uh i think that there's going to be limits. I always look at the I Ching as a story going from the bottom lines up to the top. So we have okay. limits, right? And we have to come to terms with that and prepare. That's what I like about the, the I Ching. They talk about the preparation phases when we're experiencing blockages. And I think that's important. But then when the moment comes, you have to be able to act on it. Like there will be a moment, I think, during this cycle that you do have to take some action after the obstacles are presented to you so so i guess don't hesitate when your moment comes really respect the right moment and seize it like like a hawk would swooping down and seizing prey like because if you miss your opportunity you're gonna you're gonna go hungry you know and then the last line says no limitation it says no limitation then lamentation but no blame so if we don't respect the limits of saturn we may you know if we lack some self-control we may get into some conflicts. We may go a little bit too far, but maybe it's a it's better to like err on the side of I don't know going too far than just not doing anything, right? Not leaving yeah. the past behind. Um, but I, I was thinking about this about learning from our past mistakes and finding finding balance. Um, did that bring any bring up any reflections? It makes me think of something that I've theme that I've been thinking about for a while now and going into this new moon opposite Uranus, a theme that I've been thinking of that I really came, um, came up for me when you were talking about Uranus is this sort of shake up in our routines or shake up in our lives. And I think that like, especially like I see, um, I tend to see a lot of clients like back to back. And one of the main big stories that keeps coming up is there something in their life that's, that's frustrating them and they just want it to change, right? And if this is so easy, right? Well, if I could just change this thing, then I, my attitude towards it will be better. And I think part of this transit is understanding, like, even though it's not easy, we're always empowered. That sometimes if that thing, like hitting your head against a wall, right? The wall is not going to go away. Like this right. should be a sign that maybe there's another way to look at this. Maybe I do need to change my routine. Maybe I need to change my attitude towards it. Cause clearly these waves keep coming. This thing's not changing. And it's so simple. And maybe that's frustrating advice to give to people, but I think it's something we can all sort of sit with during these transits. I really love that. Cause <laughs> you know, that, that really speaks to the Tao. If there is an external thing that you can't change, you can change the internal state yeah. that you have towards it, right? Yeah. There's always an opportunity for change, even if that change is acceptance and taking a new perspective. You know, that's a great segue to thinking about how the I Ching deals with obstructions. And really, you can think about it as a giant boulder in the path of a stream. 
and you have to become like water. You, you build up strength to be able to eventually spill around the obstacle, right? And then maybe that strength is going internal and like having a new perspective, having emotional fortitude, um, changing your perspective so that you can take a slightly different path. You're not going to, you know, crush the boulder. It's still going to be there. You just have to, you know, gather with others too sometimes and gather collective strength to pour across and uh, around a thing, <laughs> around yeah. an obstacle. Yeah, go ahead. That's no, that's perfect. I don't know if you intentionally did this, but right, like thinking about again, Taurus, that fixed earth energy of literally like being the boulder in our lives, the things we can't change. And like going back to that, again, that analogy of the Scorpio, the waters that you not necessarily see, like focusing mm -hmm. on that deeper level to fortify our consciousnesses or, mm -hmm. you know, fortify our emotional well being, so that we can deal with the literal boulders, perhaps Taurus yeah. puts in our way. Uranus, be a Taurus. It's, it's, it's perfect, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, and surprising sometimes how that turns out, right? Um, Beatrice was uh, asking when the nodes shift into, um, into Taurus. And I am taking a look at this here. I'm trying to find this here. The, the do you know the date on that CV when the exact nodal transition is? I don't know. Cause it's just, my program is being weird about it. I think it's at the, at the beginning of 2022 though. I think that that's yeah. the, you know, we're heading pretty close to that, uh, coming up here. Um, I can find it for all of you. I, I think it's in January. Um, I could be wrong, but I will find this here. Um, while we're while I'm clicking through to find the Taurus thing here, uh, make sure that if you're enjoying this channel, you hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. And if you want to make a donation to the work that we're doing here today, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Uh, so the nodal shift happens on January 19th, 2022, which is you know, very close to the time that Venus is going to go direct as well. So there's going to be a lot of changes that we're going to be able to start taking action on towards the end of January, I think. I think there's a reflective period from December through January, um, but then we're going to see some movement in, towards February, March. And, you know, once Jupiter's into Pisces and things like that, there's going to be a lot, of, I think, more movement within that. So looking forward to that as well. Um, so try to think like the hawk this this new moon what is your long-term vision and even if you can't take every single action towards the vision you can still know where you're going and you can clear the decks so that you actually have room to to move forward and you have you know you've released the burdens that you've been carrying with you either internally emotionally mentally or physically so i think that's this is a liberation uh lunation as well Last thing I just was thinking about to tie it back into the Mars area versus Mars Scorpio, right? And I think maybe perhaps Mars and Scorpio is inviting us to do like the deep emotional, maybe behind the scenes work that's completely necessary before we can have that like Aries just like burst out into the world. 
Like, yeah. so thinking about like within our own projects or whatever it is that we're starting our plans and being like careful with ourselves. It like, so doing that, like backend work might be more emotionally taxing. It might make, might be um, like a slower process. Um, but to understand that it's okay if it doesn't look like the sort of Aries jump into the world. Mars. Yeah. yeah behind the scenes, right. Behind the scenes work I think is going to yeah. be important. And, and especially with Mercury, being uh under the beams as well so all right um one last thing i wanted to, to turn people on to is that mars as well is going to be under the beams and going to be or is under the beams and is going to be emerging as a morning star on the 22nd of november so that's going to be a big moment too in relationship potentially to what what we uncover in this lunation cycle as well so that's when we may see some of the the things that we've been gestating, like you were saying, behind the scenes, finally starting to take take flight like like a like a great red-tailed hawk, you know. So I think that's about what I've got. Any other thoughts, TV, CVM, what we're doing here? I hope you come back. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> like, huh? Am I am You're I not? Frozen. Am I frozen? Oh no. <laughs> yeah let me turn my let me turn my video off to say goodbye um that was wonderful spencer i hope we don't have as many technical difficulties next time we speak we always have uh something don't we <laughs> whether it's youtube or instagram yeah. um well anyway people will be able to hear this on the uh the recording later so i wanted to thank cv for being here today uh and i'm gonna i'll stop my video here Thank you all for uh, your comments in the chat. And um, yeah, we will, uh, we'll, we'll see you the next time. Hopefully I'll see you all in the Deccans of Scorpio workshop. And uh, yeah, visit CV at artofthezodiac.co. And um, we will see you the next time, my friends. Take care. Bye.